I think the passion is really the most important thing. You know, we always say we're a passion driven brand. I think everyone is, you know, really dedicated to the cannabis industry as a whole, again, wants to, you know, advance legalization and just education and access to cannabis and really believes in what we're doing as a brand and kind of our values and our mission to bring something that's really high quality, that's more premium, that's flavor first. And, you know, we, again, love getting out in the community and like being a team that I think I'm really proud of, that I think people enjoy coming to our events and and being with our team. And that's something that's really important for us as well to be, you know, synonymous with the brand, not just the product, but our team as well. You're listening to To Be Blunt, the podcast for cannabis marketers, where your host Shada Taravi and her guests are trailblazing the path to marketing, educating, and professionalizing cannabis. Light one up and listen up. Here's your host, Shada Taravi. Hello, and welcome back to the To Be Blunt podcast. I'm your host, Shada Tarabi, cannabis business owner and brand marketer. And in the spirit of growth, I'm constantly working on things to make this podcast better. So brace with me as I implement some changes. But don't worry, the show is going on full steam ahead, and I'm excited for the continued learning this podcast has created for me and I hope for you too. I just want to continue to maximize our time together. With that said, I want to introduce a segment on what is trending in our industry and share the top three things I think you should know about this week. The first one is the Colorado Sun reported, Colorado's cannabis industry is enduring its first sustained downturn since recreational weed sales began. And I wanted to bring this story up because it's a nationwide trend that I've been observing. Even as a hemp retailer, it's impacted us too. It seems like across the board, industry sales are down. And I've been debating if it's inflation related or just oversaturation and things are finally settling down after the initial green rush boom. But the article goes on to say, Colorado's marijuana businesses adjust to inflation, market saturation, and competition from other states. Municipalities face declining revenues as shine fades from legal weed. So I'm curious if you feel this too as a cannabis business owner or operator and what impact this will have specifically to the small operators and local players. The second story is reported from MJ Biz Daily and it was how cannabis testing labs help put undue focus on THC potency which I think stems from a bigger issue about lab testing standards and ethics in general. But the article goes on to say cannabis testing labs are partly to blame for the marijuana industry's focus on delivering high THC products to consumers, according to industry officials. That's because state regulators across the nation lack mechanisms to check the accuracy of private lab testing results. They then ask, are people going to spray extra terpenes on their flower? And are labs going to have incorrect terpene profiles? Honestly, to me, it just seems like a lot of risk and not a lot of regulation or standardization. And with hemp being federally legal, we still have major issues with nationwide testing standards on the hemp side. So how do we expect marijuana federal legalization anytime soon with so many discrepancies in this one area of our industry? 
always curious what you guys think as it relates to lab testing and quality standards. And the third story I wanted to highlight is that South by Southwest has opened voting on nearly 100 marijuana and psychedelic panels for 2023. And I happen to have seven panels up for consideration. The South by Southwest panel picker voting period helps determine which panels will appear at the March 2023 festival, which started on Tuesday and ends on August 21st. And if you want to browse the list, I'll share it in the show notes, but head to panelpicker.southbysouthwest.com and the panels I'm a part of can be searched by typing in my first name, Shada, S-H-A-Y-D-A. Again, I'll include the link to the panel picker in the show notes, but those panels, just so you can be on a lookout and give me some upvotes and for sure leave some comments because that definitely helps the consideration in the voting process. But those panels are Cannabis E-Commerce Limitations and Opportunities, Foundational Learnings of CPG as a Cannabis Brand, Cannabis 2.0 Insights for the Next Green Wave, Your State Legalized Adult Use Cannabis, Now What?, Censorship in Cannabis, Tales from the Deleted, The Future of Chemically Derived Cannabinoids, and Cannabis Marketing from CBD to THC. I will include the links to these stories for your reference and to the South by Southwest panel picker for your vote in the show notes. So please and thank you. And I also want to create space to answer some of your questions directly on the show. So this will be another new segment that I want to be implementing. And I encourage you to slide into the DMs of the podcast at to be blunt pod or reach out to me on LinkedIn and let me know what's on your mind and I will answer them here. So kicking off today's question, this comes from Katie in Colorado. She asked, what is my favorite social media platform to create cannabis content on? My personal favorite platform is Instagram, just because that was the one that I generationally grew up on using the most. I know it's one of the biggest offenders for cannabis censorship, but I'm also a big believer in going to the places where your consumers hang out. So yes, you could go to a more cannabis friendly or cannabis specific social media platform, but are your consumers there? So that's something that I'm always kind of debating when I'm looking at the censorship that's happening on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and things like that. It's inevitable for the time being. It is par for the course. So I still like playing on those platforms. Instagram is just the one that I resonate with the most. And then from a B2B perspective, I cannot emphasize being on LinkedIn enough. It is invaluable in building up your professional network. And I actually find people are really lively and engaged there. So if you haven't spent some time on LinkedIn building up your personal profile, I definitely encourage you. There's a lot of great YouTube videos. I'm even available. Should you have any specific questions about getting more active on LinkedIn or social media in general for your personal brand or business, just reach out and let me know how I can support you. So again, I want to be answering more of your questions on the podcast in these intros. So please feel free to slide into the DMs and ask me on social media, and I would love to answer them here. Getting into today's episode, I'm joined by Catherine Wolf for the podcast today. Catherine is a published cannabis writer, branding specialist, and the chief marketing and operations officer of Malik's Premium Cannabis. Malix is a passion-driven brand focusing on growing small batch flavor-first flour. They are based in Denver, Colorado. And Catherine has a background in marketing and economics with over five years of experience working with brands in tech, manufacturing, and hospitality. 
She shifted to the cannabis industry in 2020, and today she's passionate about advocating for women in cannabis leadership and safe access to cannabis education and products for all. A woman after my own heart, which is why I'm super happy to have her on the podcast today to dive in. By the way, be sure to check out the video version of this episode on my YouTube channel. I will link that in the show notes below as well. Don't forget to hit subscribe on YouTube if you like video content and you want to see more of it. I'm a sidebar. I need 100 subscribers to get a custom and name URL. So please and thank you in advance. As of right now, it's kind of a mouthful. You just need to search for Shada Tarabi. So all that out of the way. Thanks for hanging in there as we shift up some stuff. I hope that's informative and helpful for you and makes more opportunities for us to connect directly one-on-one. But without further ado, let's get straight to the episode. So please join me by lighting one up and let's welcome Catherine to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. And like you said, to finally kind of connect with you. Malik Freeman Cannabis is a small batch cultivator here in Denver, Colorado. So we are recreational only. We do flower. So we do a prepackaged eighth. We have some loose flower you can find as well. Our flagship product is a 1.75 gram hand rolled joint. It's in a pink paper. It has an organic gluten-free noodle tip as the crutch. And then we also do a one gram bud cone. So, you know, we're really in the flower space. We also do some collaborations with edible companies, concentrate companies, other brands in Colorado. But yeah, the brand started in 2020. We grow in small batches of 8 to 12 lights per strain, and all of our flour is slow cured. It goes through about a 12 to 15 day low and slow cure in a temperature and humidity controlled room. And then all of the flour is hand trimmed by our trimmer extraordinaire team and then hand packaged to order. And, you know, we really do everything kind of that small batch flavor first mentality you know, really focus on the flavor of the flower, really that craft aspect. And our team is super passionate. We just love being in this industry and and bringing a a quality product to the market. And I think, you know, you can really taste that in the flower when you're smoking it and, and really kind of experience that. And that's what we're really here to do and trying to do. Yeah, I think that is such a obviously like great place to exist in the industry where you want to try to create some sort of differentiation, especially when it comes to flour, because I think that there's a lot of flour options out there. And especially as a consumer, when you're going into a dispensary, especially understanding to the model of recreation and adult use and even medicinal for that you know matter, it forces you into the retail experience. And so when there are you know, X amount of products sitting on a shelf, how does the consumer, you know, kind of identify and pick a product out that they want to consume, purchase, et cetera, and things like that. And so obviously your packaging is really appealing. It's different than I would say traditional cannabis brands that are trying to go to market. So I definitely want to dive into some of those nuances in in terms of kind of like coming up with a brand. And I love that you said collaborations. I think collaborations is like, like if any marketers rather it's like the buzzword, it's like you say collaborations, like, yes, like we respond very well to that. And I haven't really been able to connect with anybody I guess from a cultivation perspective, who's doing, and maybe you can answer this, you know, kind of quickly, and then we can dive into a little bit more later. But like to me, collaborations, meaning maybe they're taking your flower and distilling it down and then making edibles out of it. Or do you mean like your brain as a standalone flower brand is doing a collaboration with a standalone edibles brand where they're not necessarily using your product? It's just a collaboration where you're lifting each other's brands up and you're kind of presenting each other's brands to respective markets. For sure. We actually do both. And I'll kind of touch on them both quickly, like you said. So 
We do a lot of events in the community, which is something that we really love. You know, the Denver, Colorado as a whole, I would say, cannabis community is really tight-knit. And there's a lot of great brands that are here in Denver and kind of the surrounding areas. So we always love going to events. And like you said, just kind of lifting up and supporting other brands and just, you know, cannabis as a whole um, and kind of just trying to move the industry forward together. And then we also do those collaborations, yes, where... You know, we're partnering with Dialed In Gummies and they, you know, do strain specific batches. So that, you know, is our flower and our strains. And sometimes they do mixed batches, which is really fun. We just had one come out that was Space Cheese, which was uh, Space Cheese, Cookies and Cheese. So I love that one. Sometimes they'll do, you know, just one strain. And those are really cool for us because as a flower cultivator, there's a whole group of people that don't consume flour. And that maybe just do tinctures or just do edibles. And they, you know, again, would never really hear of your brand or try your brand unless you were in that space. So that kind of gives us an opportunity to get in front of those customers and have them, you know, try a Malik's product and and know who we are and, and know our brand name when they might not have bought our flower. And we also have done some concentrate collaborations that are, you know, more limited time, you know, small batch drop. And those are really exciting as well. And again, just kind of getting in in front of other consumers that maybe wouldn't hear about your brand otherwise. You know, we also just love collaborating with other brands in the industry who are really innovating and leading and kind of align with that flavor first mentality. You know, as I said, it really kind of spreads the brand awareness. And also we just love learning from other industry leaders and and working with their team. And obviously from a marketing perspective, you know, it gives us more content and we can create reels and do photo shoots together and then, you know, post each other's batches on our websites. And so it really is beneficial for kind of every area. So it's something that we have really focused on. And I think built a lot of the success of the brand, you know, based on these collaborations and kind of, again, aligning with the flavor first, you know, with other brands in the space who kind of, you know, are on the same path as us. Yeah, I love that you highlighted the collaboration with Dialed In. I recently got turned on to them or I got dialed into them last time I was in Denver. And it is a cool, you know, kind of angle that they take as a brand where they are looking for these cultivation partners to do these limited batch run specific edibles that, like you said, it gives you an opportunity to have your product featured in something that is maybe for a different type of customer set and then they get familiar and then they can come maybe explore flower if they're, you know, trying to like level up maybe their consumption. But another thing that you were talking about too that made me think of, which I love like reiterating and highlighting just always because I think it's so important to remember whether people like to consume flower or not, the flower is the base for everything that we do as a cannabis industry. So Yes, there's definitely the consumers, I'm sure, like yourself working for a flower brand, myself just like as an OG, if I can say that, like cannabis consumer, like the only way to experience cannabis, you know, for the last, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 years prior to, you know, legalization with certain states was dealers selling you, but they didn't really have edibles. You got lucky if you went to a party and somebody had some pot brownies that they had made or your mom was out of town and you could bake them (laughs) for yourselves and space cakes. Yeah. So it's this interesting progression now where you're having this, you know, diverse range of products enter the marketplace, but it all is, you know, kind of like punctuated by the quality of the flower at the end of the day. So I just love that you said that. And I want to just reiterate that because I think as brands being conscious of that kind of life cycle of the plant and how we are bringing it to market is really important, I think, for, again, differentiation, because it's clear 
There's so many flower brands out there. There's so many edible brands out there. Insert whatever type of consumption method. It's like, then how do you make your, you know, piece of the puzzle stand out to the consumer who's looking for you? So before we get too much more into the brand, I definitely want to ask you, how did you get into cannabis? How did you get connected to Malik's? What was the kind of journey that you went through as an individual, as a creative, as a marketer? I know you have a marketing background. And so I'm always just curious how people end up like here specifically, like how did you end up at your company? And yeah, I just like love to learn a little bit more about that from you. Yeah. So I was born and raised in Tampa, Florida, and I have a marketing and economics degree. And I kind of started my career in marketing and in the agency setting. I worked with, you know, a wide variety of clients, B2B, B2C, all the way from kind of the startup to the enterprise level. In really every industry, I did a lot in, you know, technology, manufacturing and hospitality, I would say was my focus. And, you know, I was always a personal cannabis consumer. Again, you know, being in Florida, it was still kind of that, you know, getting from a dealer wasn't really widely accepted. There were not really jobs in cannabis, obviously, you know, especially not in marketing or more like the business side of cannabis because those legal businesses just didn't exist. And I, you know, always knew I wanted to kind of get into the cannabis industry Branding is really kind of my niece and fascination. And I always love the way that cannabis brands, you know, have to continue to innovate. And in such a new emerging market, I just thought it was so interesting. And so, you know, I kind of put in my time at the agency. I learned a lot and it was always like just such a lack of passion for what I was doing and kind of the brands and companies that I was marketing for it just like wasn't there for me. And so, you know, when the pandemic came up and I kind of had the opportunity to go remote, I knew I wanted to go to a legal market. So I came to Denver and I actually started working in, you know, kind of the gross supply arena with a national hydroponic retailer. And I learned a lot about, you know, the kind of growth supply side of things, made a lot of really valuable industry connections and learned a lot and got my foot in the door and was like, yes, this is really, you know, I can tell the right path, the right place for me. But I still knew I wanted to be really more hands on with the plant. I mean, kind of work more in the cultivation marketing side of things. Malik's was actually my favorite brand personally. I had a bud tender just make like such a stellar, memorable recommendation. Like you have to try this brand. I tried it and it was really like all I smoked after that, you know, followed them on Instagram, was, you know, waiting for the next drops to come out and just really loved the brand. And I actually met Malik at a pop-up and just kind of was like, I love what you're doing. I love the brand. I love the product. And I actually reached out to him afterwards and was like, hey, I, you know, I'm in cannabis marketing. If you ever need any help, I love what you guys are doing. I'd love to be a part of it. And we kind of just got connected from there when it was really the right place and the right time that they needed someone to come in-house kind of at that point of growth to really take over the marketing. And that is kind of how I got connected with him. But yeah, I mean, it's just, I feel so fortunate to kind of have this position in this industry. Again, you know, being in Florida just like three, four years ago, it seemed kind of unattainable to even be working in the legal industry. So it is so exciting to be a part of it. And I love, you know, living and working in this market. So thank you for sharing that. I love learning about that because I think it's really important for the people listening to understand the different paths that we as individuals go through to arrive at what we are presently doing. 
And I can relate, obviously, coming from a state like Texas, where we don't have a very burgeoning cannabis market. I think hemp has been very interesting, to say the least. But in terms of full access to the plant and just even higher THC percentages, I I share that sentiment of like, I didn't see an opportunity of being able to work in the quote unquote legal cannabis industry until hemp really opened up here in our state. And then you were talking about branding. And I think branding is also something that my listeners know is like probably my other favorite buzzword. I just like, I'm obsessed with, again, when you're thinking about a product, it sounds so rudimentary. And I probably like talk about it at nauseum on the show, but hey, it's a you know predominantly marketing cannabis podcast. So I'm going to bring it up all the time. When you are going to stores and you are looking for brands that you want to physically add to your cart, because that is more or less how cannabis is being, you know, presented to us these days. Why are you picking that brand? And so you brought up a really great point too of this bud tender, right? So we are relying on certain individuals in the industry, both at the, you know, maybe larger broad stroke and maybe like a retailer. So maybe there's a certain dispensary, dispensary chain that you want to get, you know, placed in, but then it's like leaving it you know, leading you down into like the actual people who are on the front lines handling those conversations with the consumers. And that whole ecosystem is just so fascinating because at least from my experience, and which is, you know, kind of like where I want to drive the conversation next, you know, I spent a lot of time in Colorado cannabis and I'm very fortunate. I have family up there. So I get to go to Colorado a lot. And what I've observed is there are some really large name recognizable brands that have been in the industry for pretty much since inception have gone like medical to recreation. And then there's obviously a lot of like new brands popping up and everything in between. But getting shelf space is difficult. And, you know, kind of I've heard different scenarios. Obviously, there's a little bit of a pay to play. But even some of these big brands that you would think like, oh, they're going to be in these dispensaries. They're not in those dispensaries. And so I just I've heard a lot of just varying stories of kind of like why and how and what, but I, I want to like hear from you what it's been like taking your brand into actually the market from that, you know, kind of conversation of like, how do you approach getting into dispensaries? What does that look like for you guys? I mean, in an infinite world of possibilities, it's like you want to be in every dispensary. Is that realistic for brands? And kind of how do you start to approach getting your brand in front of who you think is your target consumer? Definitely. You know, from both sides, there's so many dispensaries in the state and there's also so many brands in the state. So there's just a lot of competition. And, you know, the shelf space is incredibly saturated. And, you know, for us, I think what's really important is focusing on the education. You know, there are so many brands that are doing the same thing. There are so many brands that are focused on volume. It's just like putting out flour, putting out pre-rolls, as many as you can put out, as many dispensaries as you can be in. So for us in that kind of marketing and sales process, really showcasing, you know, the unique journey that the flower goes through again with, you know, being grown in small batches, being hand-trimmed, being slow-cured, being hand-packaged to order, just kind of showcasing why all of those things are important, you know, why we do them, how they make the end product, that premium product that is worth a higher price point. We also really try and focus on all of the things that kind of come with carrying the brand. So we love doing pop-ups. So our team will come with, you know, our pink branded table and we have swag and we'll do promos and kind of team meet and greets and things. At our partner dispensaries, we also, you know, provide a bud tender education deck. We'll do, you know, virtual or in-person trainings with our dispensary partners. And we also do a weekly industry session. We kind of invite different 
dispensaries that we partner with, some of those other, you know, producers that we partner with and do collaboration products. And just kind of other people that are in the industry and in the community to kind of hang out, get to know our team, try our products. So all of these things kind of work together to make a brand more approachable. And I think you kind of have to build that connection, you know, going into a dispensary once and like dropping off a sample or dropping off a packet, like it honestly isn't enough anymore. You know, there are so many competitors, so you have to really take it that step further and, you know, give them the educational materials and make it easy for their team to, you know, understand what the products are and, and for their bartenders to sell it. That's another thing that we do is, you know, we'll make graphics and we'll make social posts and, you know, we'll take pictures and send those to the dispensary partners. And it just makes it easier for them beyond making it easier for them and kind of just giving them what they need to sell. A lot of these dispensary employees, like marketing is not their, you know, wheelhouse. So they might not thing to do that or know how to take photos or kind of things like that or make those flyers. So it just, I think, really helps giving it to them. It makes it easier for them. You know, it kind of makes them like working with our brand. And so all of these things together, I think, are super important. We also do some strain postcards and other kind of educational items that we'll put in boxes when we deliver a strain so that, you know, the buying manager and the bud tenders, when they're opening the box, they can see that and kind of learn more about the genetic profile and the cross and, you know, all of these things really help. And again, I think you really have to do as many touch points as possible. And just going to a dispensary once is, you know, not necessarily going to cut it anymore. And I think the key to remember also is once you're in a dispensary, you still have to continue to build that relationship and do trainings. And when you, you know, introduce new strains, make sure you're also continuing to educate about new strains and products and continuing to do pop-ups and, and, you know, bringing swag and samples for bud tenders. Like it really, I think just starts when you get on the shelf and you really have to continue to build and nurture from there and kind of go that extra mile. And we found kind of doing those events and being there in person as much as possible is, is really key. I want to respond to all of that. One also too, I want to let the listeners know that Catherine is literally, if you're not watching on YouTube, she's like at her cultivation. So it's, some background noise, which is adding to the reality of working at a legit cannabis grow. So she wanted to make that point. Second point, I'm glad that you highlighted, you know, once you get into the dispensary, that's kind of like your job is not done. Like you then like, what do you do to like kind of continue to maintain it? And I wanted to share a quick story because it is such an interesting kind of like, aha, as a retailer, we get, you know, solicited a lot. People obviously want their brands into retail locations where consumers are coming and especially ones that are maybe more recognizable or they built a good brand reputation for themselves. And so we get people who want their products in our store. It's an awesome problem to have. But the amount of people who, you know, come by once, they drop some samples off and then I never see them again or they drop off samples and maybe I get a follow-up email. There's one in particular person and maybe he's listening to this and he knows who he is because he like, chuckles at it every time we like bring this conversation up but he's like remember when you turned me away from your store and I'm like yeah I actually do remember that because he came in and he was asking us you know oh, what do you sell about it was like before Delta 8 was even like a thing and he was asking us about Delta 8 I was like I don't know what Delta 8 is you're crazy like what is this cannabinoid even and he's like look Shada like now Delta 8's a huge market and it's just one of those things, sometimes the persistence of someone, like he kept showing up, he kept being a resource for me, he kept being some education, bringing samples, just like being supportive in the journey. And it's not, you know, on necessarily his schedule, it's on my schedule. And so he just happened to catch me 
at enough intervals and enough frequency where I was like, okay, now I'm ready to listen to you and have a conversation. And now he's like one of our, you know, partners and we love doing business with him. So I just wanted to highlight that. I think there is definitely like an art and a science of like having a great brand. But to your point, and obviously more so you understand this than I, because I'm not in a market like Colorado's where there is just such a array of brands at the ready for consumers and for these retailers to be picking up. But yes, like how do you cut through that noise? How do you stand out? And part of that is, you know, being consistent. And part of that is also being there when they're ready to make that decision. So I wanted to kind of follow up that thought process with you and kind of like get a little bit deeper. When you are pulling these resources together to empower these retailers, these bud tenders, you're talking about, you know, kind of like string postcards that you're including in these boxes and just other assets that you're pulling together. I'm assuming you're making, yeah, like social media graphics, other things that like empower the brand. Like, is this stuff that you're pulling from other experience, maybe from your agency life? Are you kind of seeing what other competitors are doing and you're trying to like be smarter than the competition? Like, I just want to get a little bit more understanding of like, how do you start to know to do some of these activities, these actions? Is it because you saw someone else put a postcard in a box and you're like, oh, I can do that better? Or is this like an idea that you saw another brand, another industry do? I just want to get a little bit more of a feel for your inspiration for pulling together you know, some of your go-to-market strategies? Yeah, it honestly comes from a lot of different places. I personally make a point, one, to kind of stay educated about what's going on in the industry and two, just because, you know, I'm passionate about it and it's like the type of content I personally want to see. Um, Follow a lot of cannabis brands, you know, in other states that, you know, I may never like actually be there and buy their product, but I love their brand. And so I want to kind of see the inspiration as well as like newsletters, LinkedIn groups, all, all sorts of things like that. So I feel like I'm constantly kind of seeing a lot of inspiration and have kind of surrounded myself with that. So looking at what other brands are doing from all over, I think obviously compliance and consumer preferences and brands even, you know, are so different just state to state. But I've gathered so much inspiration, more just a creative artistic way from what a lot of other brands are doing. I also have been trying to really, you know, use a lot of data lately to make more decisions about, you know, what products to drop and who to be marketing to. I really love Headset personally. And they provide a lot of really valuable data that I have been using. And honestly, from everywhere, you know, magazines, TV shows, like you were saying, not necessarily the cannabis industry, but I think, you know, cannabis is going towards what a lot of other industries are going towards and you have to be creating compelling content and showcase all different kinds of content. You know, I really like to show behind the scenes of them harvesting and trimming and our team and content from the events that we're going to. And, you know, I've been posting our new stream logos and doing more reels and just kind of creating more of a mix of content. So it really comes from everywhere. You know, we have a lot of talented artists on our team and other, you know, artists that we collaborate with in the Denver area. So that's another thing I've really been trying to do is showcase and collaborate with other artists for like strain logos and, you know, event flyers and performing at our events and just all sorts of things like that. So I really feel like I've been fortunate enough to just be surrounded by like so many awesome people in the industry and so much inspiration constantly. The strain postcards really came from a place of realizing that as we kind of spoke about just sending an email isn't enough or like dropping off a sample that they're gonna like smoke and then maybe throw the packaging away isn't enough like you need something tangible 
So that I thought was really valuable because it could be used as an educational tool, like for those bud tenders, for those buying managers. It also is something that we kind of put on our pop-up tables, kind of like to collect all of our strain postcards. And we also leave them in the lobby and kind of at the point of sale at dispensaries as well. So kind of a really multi-use asset that I think, you know, it's educational, also kind of a souvenir. So long story short, it really kind of comes from everywhere. And I think there's so many brands that are really being really innovative right now. And again, there's just so much inspiration out there to pull from. Well, you said you're fortunate, but I, you know, I observe that you are being, you know, strategic and I don't mean strategic like, oh, she's being like sneaky because I think sometimes people's interpretation of that is like negative. It's like, no, you're being very specific with how you are building these tools up. And I love that you brought that up because I think that like demystifies all of it. Right. And that's kind of like part of the fun with the podcast. People are like, okay, I want to talk about marketing. Like, how do you market cannabis? And I'm like, there's so many free resources. I mean, yes, this podcast is like a free resource, but the internet, magazines, TV, and I think you and I are very kindred in that same vein where I look everywhere for inspiration. I'm paying attention to, yes, what are other cannabis brands doing in other states, following their social media accounts, just like being perceptive and like paying attention, which to me is like low-hanging fruit. I don't think people realize that is how you, you know, build what you want to ultimately do with your brand. And it's not that you're going to do all of those things either, right? So sometimes you're taking the inspiration. It's like, okay, that's a cool idea. I don't know if I can execute it or that's a cool idea. How do I execute it better? But it is just constantly kind of putting yourself in this situation to be the recipient. So like setting up automation has been a really big thing in my world lately. I'm like, how do I automate more things? And I think Getting inspiration can be something that can be automated where you're subscribing to certain accounts, you're subscribing to other brands' newsletters for inspiration, you're allowing yourself to just be aware of what else is happening and not having to go, I guess, forage for it because that information is out there. And, and so it's just like, how do you take advantage of it? But you mentioned something else that I thought was really interesting and I wanted to prod a little bit more. We talked about like these different strain logos and Working with different artists in the community, I'm going to interpret that as like actual like designers, people who can like create art, which is not one of my strong suits, just putting that out there. I'm like, yes, that looks like awesome art. I cannot replicate it myself, but I want to hear how you approach that. How do you find new artists to work with? Slash also would love to understand, you know, you being the chief marketing officer, I'm, you know, also aware that it takes a village to do a lot of things. So if you're doing everything, kudos to you, like more power to you, but would love to understand, you know, reality when you're trying to execute all these different things, you're trying to create content, you're trying to record different stages of cultivation, you're trying to go be out in the community, be at events, foster partnerships, like obviously, you know, there's only 24 hours in a day, you only have two hands. Both of my hands are constantly tied up on social media. So it's like, Yes, I should do these other things. I'm just curious, what does your team makeup look like for internally at Malix? And then also, how do you kind of work with contractors or bringing in other creative people to kind of help bring some of these marketing initiatives and projects to life? We are a small team. There's nine of us and we all wear a lot of hats and, you know, really bootstrapping it and grinding it out. So, you know, we all contribute what we can and have, you know, such an amazing, passionate team with such a diverse group of skills. I think the passion is really the most important thing. You know, we always say we're a passion-driven brand. 
I think everyone is, you know, really dedicated to the cannabis industry as a whole, again, wants to, you know, advance legalization and just education and access to cannabis and really believes in what we're doing as a brand and kind of our values and our mission to bring something that's really high quality, that's more premium, that's flavor first. And, you know, we, again, love getting out in the community and like being a team that I think I'm really proud of that. I think people enjoy coming to our events and, and being with our team. And, and that's something that's really important for us as well to be, you know, synonymous with the brand, not just the product, but our team as well. So we really do everything in house as far as marketing. We do collaborate with some artists from like logos and we have some strain collages coming out that will be, you know, digital first and then hopefully some limited edition prints. We definitely want to do some more clothing and apparel and things like that. And we also work with some local glass artists and, you know, again, the other kind of brands in the space. And so it's something I definitely want to do a lot more of in the future. I think that really makes people feel, you know, a connection to the brand. And I think it also really aligns with, you know, the way we grow in small batches and do kind of limited time drops and exclusive collaborations, you know, it all really aligns with the brand overall. And I think it's super important as, you know, a Colorado-based cannabis brand to support other brands and other, you know, whether they're in cannabis or not, local artists, other small businesses. So that's something that I really tried to focus on, you know, in our marketing strategy. Yeah, it is super important, I think, for now, especially where it's kind of like a nice way to look about it. Obviously, everybody wants like federal legalization, but when you and I personally, for the record, don't think that federal legalization means interstate commerce. I think that is like a completely different interpretation because the realities are getting cannabis across state lines into different markets like that is like a massive undertaking. I'm not saying it's like not inevitable at one future point, but I think in today's day and age presently where we're standing, it's kind of nice that you have these isolated communities that you're trying to figure out, okay. I'm I'm selling to Coloradans. Is that right? Coloradans? And they are my consumer. And yeah, she's like, I don't know, maybe. And they are this, that, and the other, you know, trying to place like demographics around them and then trying to like bring those products to these specific consumers that you're trying to go after. Not to diminish it because it is very challenging in any capacity to like go bring a product to market and make sure you're speaking to your target consumer. But at least you can kind of contain it. You don't have to worry about, you know, the surrounding states or the whole nation necessarily. Obviously, some brands are taking a more MSO approach. Maybe that is in the future for you guys to kind of like be looking at how do you replicate this out of state. But I think looking at it from a small craft batch kind of perspective, it's really empowering to realize like, okay, I'm doing business here. Now, how do I go activate in this market? And so I do want to turn a little bit too, because I'm staring at your beautiful packaging and just knowing that, you know, pink is not a traditional cannabis color. And also I think is just a very standout product that we were talking about in the beginning of the episode too, to like stand it on a shelf. But I would love to get into a little bit more of the understanding of like what went into building the brand. Was it like, okay, you know, and I'm not meaning this like in any, you know, shortcoming of anything, but like did it happen in a day where you like, okay, logo, yes. Colors, yes. Like, is this the brand that was launched with? Like, was everything like this? Like when y'all like turned the lights on and went like, okay, we're launching a brand. This is what it looks like. Or how has the brand evolved over the years? Slash how has the brand evolved since you've joined the company? And what does that look like 
in terms of bringing, you know, your unique product to market? Yeah. So I can kind of go back to the beginning of the brand story a little bit. So Malik moved to, who's our owner operator, moved to Colorado about 10 years ago to pursue a career in growing cannabis. So he kind of got in at the ground level and worked his way up. He was the head grower at one of the largest medical operations at the time. And then when it turned recreational, became the head of cultivation at one of the largest recreational operations at the time. And kind of during that experience, he really became passionate about genetics and seed breeding and kind of the science behind strains and really wanted to create new strains and new flavors. So he, you know, learned how to breed seeds and phenohunt, and he entered a bunch of international cannabis cup awards with his own seeds and has won over 20. And, you know, really during that time was building up to create something that he felt worthy to, you know, bring to the consumer market and start his own brand. So I believe in 2019, he got his license and in 2020 started as Malik's. So that is kind of the backstory of the brand. And when he started Malik's, you know, really wanted to do something different and kind of noticed a sea of, you know, green packaging that was very like traditional, classic in your face. Like this is a cannabis brand. You know, there was also a lot of like black, gray, just like dark colors. Even, you know, to this day when we do events, we see people coming up to our table all the time and they're like, we love your pink table because like every other table and brand here is just like black and, and dark and we love, you know, the brightness. So it was really just seeing that there was an opportunity to do something that nobody else was doing. Super bright, super different, really eye-catching. I also personally think it gives me kind of like a retro South Beach, you know, Miami Vice color scheme which I think is also super cool because a lot of the brands here are really leaning into kind of the mountain theme um, that kind of colorway and logo. So it's just something, again, totally different. And that is really where the pink came from. You know, we noticed that there was no one doing it and no one doing it well. And it was just something that we really resonated with. And the teal kind of just came to be and kind of just all came together once, you know, we just they decided on the pink. And to this day, it's still kind of what we're known for, like the pink pack, super bright, noticeable packaging. And it's definitely something that, you know, has stuck. And a lot of consumers, I think, may not remember the name or don't know who we are, but they'd maybe seen the package on social media or like seen our table at an event where they've seen their friend post something about it. And we get feedback, that pink thing, or like, I want the pink brand. So I think that really has kind of created a persona around the product that sticks and again is something that you know even if they don't remember your name they remember the pink so it's definitely done its job i think quick break to say thank you to Restart CBD for sponsoring this podcast. Restart CBD is a brand my sisters and I founded in our hometown in Austin, Texas. We operate a retail location as well as an e-commerce store, and you can browse our wide range of CBD products at restartcbd.com. Again, thank you to Restart for allowing me the time and resources to put on To Be Blunt. I hope you'll check them out for your CBD needs. Let's go back to the episode. Yeah, I think it's so important, obviously, to 
like figure out who your consumer is because it's it's a tough one, right? I mean, I even my branding, I incorporate green. I think when you're trying to speak to a particular consumer, yes, in cannabis, um, also maybe the new consumer who's not like super familiar with cannabis, it's like, how do I attract them? And how do I make them feel like we are the same, you know, like people, like we like the same things, cannabis being like the commonality, right? And so it's a very delicate, like, you don't want to overextend into it too much. But at the same time, like, if that's your brand, that's your brand. No harm, no foul. Like, if you can execute it kind of right, it's like the key to it. And so it's just an opportunity to kind of do something different. I love that you highlighted, you know, kind of the observation around maybe Colorado brands that are going a little bit more mountain focused. Again, it's like maybe too on the nose. And I don't mean like too on the nose, but just like it's on the nose. Like you're in Colorado, there are mountains there. So like this is like the outdoor lifestyle, you know, aesthetic that people are trying to achieve, which is relatable because I think that that is the target demographic in Colorado. Those are consumers who are looking for relatability. They're looking for products, obviously, maybe to go kayak or go mountain biking or go snowboarding and skiing and things like that. But that you guys kind of have this different look and feel of almost like a South Beach, Miami vibe. And it's just kind of like a different swerve. And so I think that is so important to kind of think through as business owners, as brand marketers. Again, it's not that one is right or wrong. It's just what is your brand and how do you want to bring that brand to market? And what are you ultimately trying to connect with that consumer on? So I have a weird question for you. Maybe you can answer it. How do you connect with your consumers? Because I don't know if I've ever really asked anybody this, you know, kind of understanding you're selling through a dispensary model. It, does, the, does the dispensaries share that data with you? I know you mentioned you work with headset. So I'm just curious, you know, how do you actually understand who your target consumers are? Not so much, hey, these are the products that are most popular, but do you actually get consumer data unless that consumer is maybe coming back and following you on social media? Or reaching out and engaging directly with the brands. Like, I'm just curious about how you foster that relationship of someone buys your product at a dispensary, they love it, they consume it. How does that loop get closed to where they, again, reach out on social media or reach out through another form of communication? And like, how do you get a pulse on who your target customer actually is? Yeah, I think a lot of it is really more like qualitative data than necessarily hard numbers. Definitely the way that we, you know, connect with consumers, doing those pop-ups is really important in the dispensary, doing those industry events that are maybe more of just like a social thing, not necessarily at a retail location, but just, you know, industry cannabis community events. Obviously the DMs, you know, people are you know, a lot of times send feedback or comments or tag us in photos and things on Instagram, which is a major way that we communicate and being a small team and being a small batch brand, we make it a point to really always answer those types of things. We also have a contact form on our website. So when people, you know, reach out, we always respond to that as well. We have um, an email newsletter you can sign up for on our website as well. And we'll send out, you know, new straight information and event announcements and things like that. I would say as far as like providing information, our website and our Instagram you know, stories and page are really where we post a lot of those things. So it's really a mix of having that digital presence. But the key, I think, is getting out of the community. And again, really showcasing a mix of content, I think, is super important. We, as a fan of the small team, uh, we're going and doing deliveries and kind of checking in with dispensaries and things like that. So it really all kind of plays a role to making sure, again, we're having numerous touch points with both the end consumer 
and with the dispensary is. And then as far as the data and kind of what products and things like that, you know, I really keep close tabs on, you know, how many apes we're doing, how many joints we're doing, how many pre-rolls we're doing, both so we can kind of plan strategically and also kind of keep tabs on, you know, what is selling and what is really hot right now. And those things you kind of fluctuate depending on like the season, the market, things like that. And, you know, again, a lot of it's really qualitative, just seeing the people that kind of interact with us at these pop-ups and the questions that they ask us in person, the questions that these dispensary, you know, buyers or managers are reaching out of the feedback they're giving us. A lot of it is more natural and organic in that way. And you really, again, have to, you know, reach out, put yourself out there, get out there, follow up, um, and really get that information because a lot of retailers are not necessarily providing it to you. I mean, one of the, the major metrics I look at is when we get a new dispensary is that second order or when we send out samples, that first order. So that follow-up there is super important. And that is one of the things I really, you know, keep the closest tabs on. And being a small team, it's nice that we can really be that involved um, and have these direct relationships with the dispensaries and kind of know, you know, hey, they put in an order last week. And we have some new strains coming out, like let's check in with them and see how that sold. And, you know, if they're ready for to, you know, kind of re-up their inventory, let's send them a graphic of what they have left to kind of help them sell it. Like those personal touches, I think are super important. And again, as I mentioned, kind of giving them the assets and the information to help them sell it as much as possible. Yeah, I just want to like plus one. All your assets are so beautiful. I mean, like people should definitely like go follow you guys on social media, even if it's just like for inspiration. Maybe they're not like local to Colorado and can't actually buy your products. But everything that you've presented to me as like, this is who our brand is. Like I can only imagine the other degrees of detail that you're pulling all these resources for your retail partners, your bud tenders, et cetera. And so it, it seems like these are one of those things like I think people think it's like, oh, how do I do all that? It's like a lot of these documents you make kind of once and you can tweak as strains change or information changes, but like having a good like kit of assets is so invaluable. And so I just think that's a really good takeaway for people just to kind of, you know, realize what do I have at the ready that speaks to my brand that I can have, you know, to offer to different, you know, retailers and people who might want to do business with me etc. and things like that. But you talked about events. I'm really curious because again, the breakdown of how y'all operate as a business given in an adult use state, how much of an investment and it's kind of getting into a little bit too like marketing tactics. Like there's so many things as a marketer you can be investing your time in. It sounds like events and collaborations are some of the more weighted things in your probably like list of priorities and to-dos, knowing you're a small team. How do you kind of like look at events and these pop-ups at dispensaries? Are you doing them like we got to do one a month? Are you doing one every week? Like what is realistic to achieve and kind of maybe what are some of the challenges of, of doing that? Like is every event successful for you? I know the answer for us is no. In fact, I went to a pop-up event this weekend that we were doing with like a local gym. And if the gym is listening, it was wonderful. They're great. But like we went thinking we were going to sell and which we can do as a CBD brand, you know, not having to go through certain regulations and things like that. But it, people just wanted a sample and they wanted to just have a good time. So that was not maybe the expectations of the event were not what we intended them to be. So just kind of knowing how varying events can be in general, but how big of a component that is for your marketing 
how do you kind of structure events and these collaborations and like you yourself spending time at these pop-ups? Like, I'm just curious what the breakdown is. Yeah, you know, as a small team, we obviously have to balance and prioritize things. As far as dispensary pop-ups, you know, we really try to prioritize Obviously, the dispensaries who, you know, are buying a lot of product or supporting us. Sometimes, you know, these dispensaries will ask us to come in. I think it's kind of both ends of the spectrum. I found that, you know, if a dispensary reaches out and maybe sales are not going so well or they're having a hard time moving a certain street or maybe their bud tenders are not feeling like they really know how to sell a certain product, that's when we'll offer to kind of let's do a pop-up or let's come in and do a tender training session. On the other hand, there are a lot of dispensaries that reach out and they're like, your product is super hot right now. So we want to like get you in while that's kind of going on. So I think it really can be used to take advantage when a certain location is doing really well and also kind of as a strategy to help improve when a certain location isn't doing super well. And then as far as like balancing between kind of the B2B and B2C, if you will, we definitely try to, you know, balance and do events, you know, both at the dispensaries and kind of those retail pop-ups and then just getting out in the community and doing events. You know, we just did a big 710 event. We obviously had a 420 event. We have an infused chef that we do some, you know, partnerships with when he does infused dinners. So kind of a variety of events. Um, and sponsorships and just kind of, again, whether it's a sponsorship or just our team getting out there, kind of bringing our stuff, wearing our Malik shirts, like getting out in the event and, you know, being with other people in the community. We just really enjoy doing that. And I think, you know, as long as it's authentic and you're really showcasing who you really are and what the brand really is. And again, we all are so passionate about it and enjoy doing it so much that it's just a really valuable, you know, use of time. And I think, Again, with a small team and having limited resources, it's something that we really prioritize and have found that I think really has a valuable return. And it's just so rewarding to get to talk to these customers and fans and, you know, the people in the dispensary selling the product and hear feedback and stories and just kind of get to connect with them on a deeper level. And it's personally one of my favorite things to do in my role and, and in this industry is to be able to be at these events and kind of meet people and just kind of share, you know, what we're doing with them. Yeah, I think for me, I find events so invaluable, even the ones that are like, maybe you didn't think it was that great. It just takes one connection, one person to kind of like, you know, make that value appear for for that particular investment. But I love that you highlighted sometimes, you know, it's you going to some of these dispensaries or to these events and you're kind of like saying, hey, what can we do to be a part of what you guys are doing? Maybe this can help versus you know, the alternate, which is they're coming to you saying, hey, we really, this could be a good opportunity. And so it does just show the different kind of approaches that can be done. And also like you're sharing, you know, when you are wanting to get in front of consumers, you're wanting to get in front of buyers, you're wanting to get in front of brands, you're wanting to get in front of retailers, bud tenders, there's different ways to get in front of them. And so this is kind of like a nice way to facilitate those conversations and and ultimately, you know, let people try and connect your brand, not only just the products, but try, you know, the people behind the brand, familiarize themselves with the players. And I'm a really big believer that people do business with people, right? And not only do people do business with people, people are more likely to do business with people that are like top of mind. And it's no fault. It's just we're selfish human beings. And so the more relevant you can be to someone at any given moment of their, you know, day-to-day life, 
the more opportunistic it might be for you. So I kind of grew my career by just showing up. I talk about it a lot. That's kind of my ethos in life is just like, just show up. You don't know who you're going to meet, what door it's going to open, what's going to happen as a result of it. And that small act for me has paid dividends in my life. And especially as a business owner who's trying to bring a brand to market, it's like, man, I will go to these, you know, events that are not even related to necessarily my business or to cannabis or to hemp or anything. And obviously people ask, you know, oh, what are you up to? What's going on in your world? And oh, this is me. This is what I'm working on. Just them hearing that, it kind of like leaves some residue in their minds. And then without a fault, inevitably, I'll get an email, I'll get a text, I'll get a social media ping that's like, hey, remember when we were talking last week? Or oh, I thought that you should introduce yourself to this person that I have a contact with. And it's like that, like that, like how do you capture that? And it, it's just showing up to me. It's like just, you know, kind of putting yourself in these positions and these opportunities and kind of taking, taking it and going after it really. Okay. Final question. I kind of want to open the floor to you to really dive into just like marketing as a bucket. I know we talked about collaborations. We talked about branding. We talked about social media, just like as a function, but like you as a CMO, when you wake up in the day, I know that you wear many hats, but like from a marketing perspective, kind of like what is your priority? Maybe it can be a broad, you know, your interpretation of this question, it can be broad, maybe it can be very specific, like, oh, right now we're working on this particular strategy or project or like initiatives. Like for us with our business right now, we are trying to revamp our events program because we find the value in it, but we realize, you know, maybe we've been doing it, I wouldn't say poorly, but always room to improve things, right? So we kind of took a hiatus. We're trying to regroup and figure out what is the best way for us to kind of bring our event presence back to market. So I'm just curious, you know, knowing that there's so many different tools out there, what is kind of like your priority? And part of my French, like, what do you give the most fucks about, you know? Honestly, what I give the most fucks about, I would say, is I just want everyone to not just know the brand, but I would say like respect the brand is really what is important to me. I think we want to be known as having like a really premium product. As I mentioned, having like a really awesome team that everything we put out is, you know, a certain level of a a certain tier and, and reflects what we're doing that these collaborations that we're doing, you know, that everything is aligned with this flavor first, premium, passion driven mentality. So, you know, just really showcasing that and the fact that we're a tight knit, passion driven brand and we all just like really give a fuck about this, I would say to kind of tie it back is what I say is is really most important to me. We're actually going through an expansion right now and doing some improvements to our facility. So me and kind of my marketing hat really just Again, creating this brand buzz. We have a lot of new streams coming out for the summer. We have some great artist collaborations coming out. We have some cool events going on for the rest of the summer. So kind of just, you know, continuing to build this buzz, build these relationships, get out in the community, showcase all these cool things that we're doing. And then when, you know, these improvements to the facility are done and we're up in production and have more product that we're kind of like ready to come out swinging. So that is really the focus. And, you know, through education, again, I think just being authentic and transparent about what we're doing as a brand, building these relationships with the dispensaries, with, you know, other brands in the community, just with other Colorado businesses as a whole, and with our customers, I think is really, you know, what we're focusing on and what I'm really excited about right now. And, you know, we're just continuing to, you know, build and grow and expand and innovate, you know, new strains, new products, new events, 
you know, our kind of long-term plan, we'd love to have our own, you know, Malik's dispensary and consumption lounge, but obviously being, you know, bright pink building. So uh, be on the lookout for that. But yeah, just so excited to, again, be in this industry and in a market that is just so exciting and, and growing so rapidly. You said something, so I apologize, not final question. This can be final question which I should have asked earlier, my brain is just like, there's so many things that, you know, you can touch on in, in so much little time. But we're talking about the quality of the taste of some of these collaborations. So it's making me think of Dialed In. And again, I'm fascinated. How do you approach a collaboration like that? Did they come to you? Do you go to them? And then is it very collaborative, like truly in a collaboration? Or is it hey, we think this is like the best strain. So use this one. These are the profiles of it. And then they come up with the flavor. And I'm I'm asking this kind of a little bit because I have some dialed in gummies. I, I know kind of like what their packaging looks like. So just using them as like a use case example, you know, they take the strain, they take the terpenes and they're coming up with flavors for it. And I'm just curious, is that a very collaborative like, okay, Catherine and Malik, like you're sitting in a room, maybe it's the whole 19 member thing. And you're all deciding, okay, this is like our perfect flavor. We think that this would accentuate it best. Or is it, we're just so happy to be here. We're so happy that you asked us to collab, like take our flower and like make amazing things with it and like call us when it's ready to promo. Like, I'm just curious. And I know it's different for every collaboration, but again, using this one as an example where their brand dialed in for the listeners who don't know, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but their brand is all about collaborations. Like they're releasing unique batch products with different cultivators who they can do like collaboration seems to be like they're like business yeah so and i'll talk about that and specifically so for those who don't know dialed in it's an edibles processor they are recreational and medical in colorado and they are in i would say most dispensaries they're very popular they taste delicious they have an amazing high and they are such a great team to work with So we have actually been collaborating with them for quite some time before I started my role here at Malik's. And they actually started in Colorado around the same time that we did. So I think it was something that kind of just aligned there. And we had some team members who knew each other. So we have done quite a few batches with them. And we're actually one of the first cultivators. And we did their 100th batch, which was a Pina Grande. And it was like their you know, first three-digit batch. So I know that is kind of one of both of our favorites. So we've had, you know, a really long-term relationship with them. They kind of know what, you know, certain strains and certain profiles wash the best for them. So we will kind of give them our menu of the strains we have available. And a lot of times they, you know, will pick and choose certain ones or they'll like, you know, try new ones. So that's kind of how the selection process works. And then depending on how much, you know, product we have available, they'll sometimes do just a single flavor, like a Panda Puffs, if they have enough. And then they'll also do mixed batches, kind of as I touched upon, where they might mix two or three. We actually have one coming out. I think it's called Panda and Ego or Ego Panda. That's Panda Puffs, Ego Checker, and Tallymon that has kind of a summer design on it for August, which is super exciting. And they actually are you know also again very flavor focused they have a really unique process they use to do their gummies they use really high quality ingredients and they run full terpene tests on all the batches that they do 
So on their website, you can actually go to collaborations and then click on our logo and you can find all the Malik's matches that we've done with, you know, a write-up and extensive terpene reports and where you can find each individual batch on there. And then we also have some info about them on our website as well. And we'll always post on our, you know, Instagram and in those newsletters and things as well when we do a new batch with them. So, you know, that is kind of that case specifically, how that works with them. I mean, they are so great to work with. And anyone in Colorado who hasn't tried a batch, you definitely need to get your hands on some because they are amazing. But yeah, it was just such a great collaboration that, again, is a really natural and organic fit where we're both really focused on flavor and, and more of a premium quality. And all of the different batches have, you know, a number and they say on there exactly how many there are and have a different tin design. So they are, again, you know, one of my personal favorite collaborations and such a great team to work with. Love this episode of To Be Blunt? Be sure to visit theshadatarabi.com slash to be blunt for more ways to connect. New episodes come out on Mondays. And for more behind the scenes, follow along on Instagram at theshadatarabi.com.